Today, my brothers and sisters, we've got the wonderful, famous, powerful passage from Corinthians 13, St. Paul's praise of charity, of love. It's a very famous passage. Oftentimes, it's read uh, during uh, weddings, Uh, but it's applicable always and everywhere. It's such an amazing passage. Um, Maybe the title of this homily today would be uh, simply this. Love does not brood over injury. Love does not brood over injury. Maybe other translations of St. Paul, they they might say, love does not take offense easily. Okay? Um, What we're finding today, there's really a large and very significant cultural shift. We're more polarized than we've ever been before, politically, culturally, socially, and we have a hard time talking to each other in a civil manner. And there's a lot of offense being taken very, very easily, okay, when no offense was meant to be given. You know, I have this thing because I, I've been, uh, I've done some, some higher education in, in Catholic universities to become a priest. Uh, and that's kind of a different ballgame. But when my day, about 20 years ago, in my days when I was in a secular university, working working my way through in that context or setting, I saw a lot of a lot of shenanigans, a lot of silly stuff, a lot of nonsense. And I kind of have this. I always have this burden. Like if I see a young person and they're planning on heading to college, I always want to. I feel like I want to be like a coach and take them into the corner. Like, okay, get ready for X, Y, and Z. All right. But I've had a few experiences this past few days ago. I had a friend I talked with um, who, uh, I don't want to get into the details of his own personal family issues, but between this experience and some other experiences I've had recently, I'm starting to say to myself, okay, it's not just in the universities, it's in the high schools. Okay, it's starting earlier and earlier where there is a kind of a victim mentality being instilled in the people. And, and people, both boys and girls, are learning that if they play the victim and if they're offended more than the other person, they get their way. And there's they, the subtle lesson of manipulation is being taught so that the kids learn how to manipulate um, the people who are in charge. And there's kind of a role reversal where the kids are, are really running the show. I just saw recently very disgraceful thing that took place at Harvard where there was uh, a student, she was probably 19 years old or so, who took offense at a, um, an official email that was sent out by one of the professors. And of course, everything today is videotaped, you know, so you got all this on YouTube, you know, so you can watch this on YouTube. And it was appalling. Here was a young woman with a crowd of about 50 or 60 other students with her completely outnumbered this professor. The guy was about 60 years old. And she was screaming in his face because she had taken offense at this email, whatever the issue was. There's a lot of politics. Okay, I don't want to get into politics at all. Screaming in his face. And, wow, can we have some civil dialogue or, or what? So what we're, what we're doing now is we're teaching our kids the first part of St. Paul's injunction. Love is kind. But we're not teaching our kids the, the second part. Love does not take offense. Love does not brood over injury. You see, it's a two-way street. Okay. Um, 
I think of uh, another example here. This has got a lot of publicity. Probably we all know about, know about this and heard about it. It was just this past Christmas, a radio station in Ohio um, got a lot of flack for playing a song that's normally played, uh, Baby, It's Cold Outside. And uh, all of these people called in and wrote in and sent emails and saying, take, the, take this off your rotation, take it off your rotation. Because there's a line in it that says, what's in this drink? And it kind of evokes this idea of, uh, you know, Bill Cosby and putting the drugs in the drink and taking advantage of the women, all this kind of stuff. So it's this really hot button topic today. This song was written in 1944. Whatever that phrase means, what's in this drink, it doesn't mean what, how it's being interpreted to me. Okay? And what we see is, again, it's a breakdown of communication and uh, attempt to understand what the other person's saying. So like a, a normal person who's not whipped up in their emotions would just say, well, what did that mean in the context? You know, so love seeks to understand before trying to be understood. You know, so let, let me try to seek to understand what the other person is saying. Put it in context, give them the benefit of the doubt, and we're not doing that anymore. I think that's a really good case in point this whole. Now, good, it's good, though, that there was a big reaction. You know, uh, if you follow YouTube stuff, there's just tons and tons of YouTube videos that says, this is crazy. Don't get so excited and touchy over this over this silly song. So that's a, a good sign. But at the same time, the fact that this could be taken down, that this could even become an issue, is really a sign of we're not adhering to this this part of love and charity of, of the whole thing. Don't take offense. You know, in our first reading with Jeremiah, um, the Lord says to Jeremiah, I'm going to send you into this crowd and they're going to be really mad at you. Okay, but I'm going to make you an iron pillar, a wall of brass. Okay, what God is promising Jeremiah is I'm going to make you thick skin. And we, we really need that. We really need that now more than ever. We need thick skin. You know, there was a day when I was a high school teacher, I could teach to kill a mockingbird. And it, it's got good, wholesome lessons. Actually, it's it's about anti-don't-be-racist. I mean, that's more of the message. Don't kill mockingbird. But because it has sensitive language in it now, in universities, from what I understand, from what I hear, they talk about trigger warnings now. So that professors who teach this book, they have to give what's called trigger warnings. Meaning, okay, I'm going to teach you this book, but there might be some content in it that's going to stir up negative emotions. Okay, so I want to warn you. What, what's going on? Our skin is getting so thin, we're these delicate porcelain vases instead of, you know, normal, healthy human beings. And uh, they're even doing these things again. I, in my days in the university, I didn't see it, but from what I understand, in some universities, in some contexts, they're opening up what are called safe spaces. So that if your emotions are hurt over something a professor has done, you can go to the safe space. Okay, it's like a room, and no one is guaranteed that there's going to be no one in that room that's going to hurt your feelings. There's going to be counselors for you there. There's going to be pillows and blankets for you. I'm not kidding. Pillows and blankets and like nice smelling stuff for you. And what, what's going on? Look at our, we go back to our readings again today, um, in our psalm. So our psalm says something very beautiful. The psalmist is speaking to the Lord. 
Be my rock of refuge, a stronghold to give me safety. A stronghold to give me safety. So, as a Christian, God is our safe space. And you see, as a society, we've given up on God. So now we've got to create our own little safe spaces with blankets and pillows and whatnot. You know? We have safety in God. And that makes us strong so that we can be in maybe some emotionally uncomfortable situations and we're not going to break. And we're going to be able to hear the other side. We're going to be able to talk to people that disagree with us and we disagree with them and we're still going to be able to remain in communion with them. We're not going to fight or flight. It's the fight or flight syndrome. We're turning into animals and we're no longer rational human beings that can be in dialogue. We just want to get all emotional and attack or run away. You know, one of these issues of uh, fight or flight uh, syndrome here, an issue of flight is social media. So when anybody says something that I disagree with on Facebook, I defriend them. I defriend them. They're no longer part of my circle. I don't have to listen to them or look at their face or whatever. I don't care about them anymore. They're defriended because they said something that I disagree with. You know what? I am glad Jesus does not defriend us. Uh, he would have defriended me 55,000 times over the course of my life. Okay, if that's how he treated us. So when we disagree with people, how do we deal with those differences? We remain calm and we love. Charity is kind, but it's also not given to taking offense. Brooding over injuries. Uh, we look at our gospel. We see the same thing going on in our gospel. Something really amazing happens in the gospel. It's very noticeable. At first, everybody's fallen all over themselves over Jesus. This guy, the gracious words are coming out of his mouth are in awe. But then something happens, and we don't even know what it is, and the tone of the passage changes, and by the end of it, they want to kill him. They're so offended at what he's got to say, they actually want to kill him. Um... So this is, this is not the way of the Christian. Uh, some people have speculated, why is this? Why are we going through this cultural shift where everybody is so easily offended? And one, one person I heard I thought was interesting was saying, it, it's due in part at least to less and less the role of the father in the family. That the family structure is breaking down and less presence of the father with the children kind of creates this phenomenon. Because uh, the mother's parenting style is different than the, parent, than the father's parenting style. The mother gives unconditional affirmation and support and love. The father's role is a little bit different. The father kind of comes in and he can be a little bit more like the reality principle. You kind of got to make him happy and do what's right. Otherwise, he's not so happy about you. Okay, And uh, he's got the rough and tumble play. So he plays with the kids in a way that's kind of like, you know, rough with them and teases them a little bit you know the father can tease and that that sort of that, that it's natural for men to do that with their kids and it's a really healthy and beautiful thing because what happens is the kid starts to gain a certain kind of uh, accurate judgment that oh this this person is actually playing they don't mean to really hurt me they're actually just playing with me it's not malicious okay so if you don't have that, what happens if you don't have that fatherly role, you grow up like a big baby and you want everybody to treat you like they are your mother. But that's not going to happen.
Okay, my mother thinks I'm the greatest thing ever, but you guys don't. Okay? <laughs> the rest of the world doesn't. But you got to be able to take criticism. And you got to be able to uh, roll with the punches and be able to interpret people accurately. Like, oh, they didn't mean it. That person said something or whatever. They just didn't mean it. Don't take offense at it. It's not a big deal. And so the fatherly role actually helps the child to develop those kinds of intuitions and social skills. And uh, again, some psychologists speculate because of that lack, uh, we're, we're finding a big cultural shift right now. And I had a friend, one more story here. Actually, I got two more, one from Deacon Greg, too. Deacon Greg tells so many stories that, like, he, he's got a surplus of stories. I can actually steal his stories and share them with you, okay? Well, one more. I had a good couple of friend, uh, friends of mine from Auburn. They're out of state right now. And the, the wife told me a story. She says, I was working. She works in a tax uh, office, an accountant's office. And it was tax season. Things were stressful. And I know her pretty well. She probably had a little bit of an edgy tone on her, in her voice when she was talking to this customer over the phone. And she said at some point in the conversation, they were just talking about their taxes. At some point in the conversation, the, the person said Oh, I don't think I can talk to you anymore. I'm not feeling safe. And this person, she's an older woman, she's not familiar with the safe space language. It totally confused her. She's like, are you okay? Is there someone on the... Because she couldn't see. Maybe someone was attacking her on the other side of the phone. It, it totally threw her for a loop. This, this person could not continue the conversation because she wasn't feeling safe, and she hung up. Okay. Getting back to this whole thing of the lack of a father in, in, the, in the role of the formation of the child, Deacon Greg tells a story. He worked in prison. I, I think you're going to be okay with me telling this, probably. He says, go, go for it. <laughs> he worked in prison ministry for, for 25 years, and he says, you know, it's really easy to be able to tell the inmates. Now, most of the inmates, unfortunately, did not have a father in their, in their life. But the, the rare occasion where you find an inmate who actually did have a father in their life, you could tell because they could control their emotions better than the other ones. Is that, is that interesting? So the, this whole role of, like I said, the, the rough and tumble play and the teasing and all that kind of stuff, what it does is it gives us thick skin. And we need that in life. Life is not going to be a big mommy that's always going to hug you. Okay? It's going to come at you and poke you, and it's going to challenge you, and you've got you to gotta be able to withstand that. Um, just in conclusion, what I would say, my brothers and sisters, I love you all. I love you all. I really, really do. And as a, especially as a celibate uh, priest, I don't have my own family. You're my family. You're my family. I want to be in communion with you. I want to be in communion. If you ever have problem, if I've done something, please come and talk with me. I love you. I want to be in community. I want to communicate. No matter what the differences are, there might be. And I would like to encourage that spirit more and more amongst us as a whole. That's what it is to be a Christian. In today's day and age, what we need as Christians is everybody is hurt. We're, there's more damaged people out there now than ever before. And we've got to be kind. We've got to be patient. But we've got to be prophetic like Jeremiah and Christ. We've got to speak the truth. And when that happens, all whatever is going to hit the fan, as we say, I'm not going to say that in church, but anyway, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, you know, hell's going to break loose, and you're going to get a lot of flack.
But what you do there is you be patient and you continue to love and you don't freak out and you say, no, look, don't run away from me. I want to communicate with you. I love you. We need that now in the church. We need it now in America more than ever before. More than ever before. And this is what St. Paul means when he says love is kind and love does not brood over injuries.